Morning everyone, hope you have a wonderful day. We continue, we left off. We are on the 10th chapter in the Dorim, page 71a. On the top, the Mishnah. If she makes a vow while she was betrothed, she was divorced on that same day. And then she betrothed again by another person on that same day. She was very busy. <laughs> Afilalameya, even to a hundred, <laughs> doing a nice living, a hundred divorces. This could be initially; it may not even be permitted. It says you have to wait three months. She might be pregnant after you get married. The question is whether that's only if one they're fully married. If there's only betrothed, there's no reason. Then maybe it should be. Um, but there, there are opinions, you know, we learn in the Yavamas, it's an argument. So, but after the fact, I mean, it's only a rabbinic decree, but after the fact, so even if it's a hundred, so the father, together with the last husband, the last husband has the power to revoke her vow on that very same day. Even though the last husband, she wasn't betrothed to him when she made the vow, Doesn't matter. Now the father says once she's married, she's no longer returned, then she's divorced, that she's widowed, she never returns to the jurisdiction of the father. But if she's just betrothed and then and then there is a divorce or or she's a widow, then she goes back to the jurisdiction of her father. Now the, the limitation of that very first day is only if both the father and the and the first husband heard the vow on that same day. Then you only have to the end of the day to uh, revoke the vow. This is the rule. As long as she didn't go into her own domain, her own jurisdiction for one moment, because here, she, she never was married, was just betrothed. She never reached the stage maturity of a, of a begetus, 12 and a half. She's still a nida. So the moment her, her husband died or she was divorced, a betrothed husband, she goes back to the jurisdiction of her father. So then, both the father and the last husband... The last one remaining it revokes her vow. But if she becomes independent, whether she turns 12 and a half, or she is fully married, then, and then her husband dies, she's divorced, she never returns back to the father's jurisdiction. And therefore, in that case, the latest husband doesn't have the power to revoke her vow. The husband only has the power to revoke her vow when it's together with the father. If the father is out of the picture, he doesn't need to have the power to revoke the vow. It's only when she's fully married, then the, 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 the husband has the power to revoke her vow. A vow that she made when she was fully married, but a vow that she made when there was a father. And then she becomes independent. That is, she was fully married. 
the father loses control. Father loses control. Or she was 12 and a half. Father's no control. Father's no control. Then the la- then and then she remarries that same day. It doesn't matter. The, the new husband has no power. It's only when the father and the husband together, then they have the power to revolt. Okay, that's the rule. That's the end of the mission. How do we know? Where do we know this from? Where do you derive this from? It's counterintuitive. Why should the last husband, the hundredth husband, be able to revoke a vow that she made when she was under a previous husband? Shmuel Shmuel answers on Makarov because it says in the pasuk. Shmuel Shmuel says says in the pasuk. If she will be betrothed to a person and she has vows on her upon her, but the pasuk me and then the husband the husband could uh, could uh, revoke. So the pasuk is talking about the daughter The simple reading of the pasuk is vow that she already had from before before she betrothed. In the previous betrothal. Perhaps maybe you're right, but maybe the pasuk is only referring to in a case that the first, the first one could not revoke it. Why couldn't they revoke it? He didn't hear about it before he died. He never heard about it. She wasn't in the state of revoking. Yes, she made the the vow before, but since it never came up to being revoked. It only came up now with the second husband. Then the Torah gives him a right to revoke. Maybe vows that the first husband knew about it before he died. And he never got a chance to revoke it. He never revoked it. Never chose to revoke it. And then he dies. How do I? Maybe in such a case, maybe in such a case, the last uh, betrothed husband doesn't have the power to revoke. The answer is, Allah, 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 Allah upon her is an extra, extra word, an extra word in the verse. So Allah comes to teach that even, even vows that the husband knew about, the first husband, and he he did not revoke. Even those vows, the last husband gets to revoke. Tani We learn the Brisa supports Shmuel's Shmuel's uh, teaching. It says in a less than twelve and a half, who's betrothed to the father and the husband get to revoke a vow. Kate said, How? The father heard and revoked him. And the husband didn't have a chance. He didn't have a chance to hear. He didn't even hear about the vow. And then he died. And she gets betrothed that day again. I feel maybe probably even a hundred times. The father, together with the last husband, could revoke her vow. But what if if a husband heard of a vow and revoked it? And the father doesn't have a chance to even hear about it. Then the father dies. I'm sorry. And the father didn't have a chance to nullify it. So the husband knew about it. And he did nullify it. He did, he did um, revoke it. But the father didn't have a chance to revoke it. And the husband dies. So the father can go. And now he inherits. He gets the power of the husband. And now he can revoke. 
he can repeat and revokes the portion of the first husband. By the way, his stuff is already Though the husband, even if the husband, even the, even now the husband gets to revoke it all by himself, because now he has the power all by himself. Now that the husband's out of the picture, so he gets to revoke it all by himself. The father. The father. Why does he have to revoke the first husband's portion? Because since you would think, since the husband already revoked it before he died, there's no need to revoke his portion. Done already. All the father has to do is just to revoke his portion. We say no. Now that the husband is out of the picture, the father gets to revoke it for himself, his side, and for the husband again. So now he's got a, a right. nullifier. Exactly, exactly. Amr Abnasan. Abnasan said, hey, That's the opinion of Bishamah. The last ruling that the first, the first betrothed husband revoked and the father didn't even hear about it of the vow till after the husband died. So then the father could revoke the vow by himself. He doesn't need the second husband to betroth it together with him. That part is only the opinion of Bishamah. The first part, the Braise, that the husband died before he even heard of the vow, and then and the father revoked it, and the husband never even heard of the vow, and then he died, and then she re-engaged, she, got, she gets betrothed again on that very same day. And then we say the husband and the father together could revoke it. That's unanimous. No one argues with that. But the second point, if the husband revoked it and the father didn't even hear about the vow, and then the husband dies, and then the father hears about the vow, so then he says, that part that says that the father gets to <coughs> revoke it alone without the second husband, that's the opinion of Bisham. The father cannot revoke by himself. He needs, he can only do it together with the second husband. Together. Like Shmuel. Like Shmuel says that the second husband has the power to revoke even a vow which the first husband knew about. In this case, the first husband revoked the vow. So he knew about the vow. And nevertheless, the Basila says, the father together with the new husband have the power to revoke that vow that was upon her. When he married her, when he betrothed her, it was already upon her because she made the vow on their previous husband. And the husband knew about it. And nevertheless, the second husband, see that's what it says, upon her comes to teach me that the second husband has the power even over a vow that was done when the first husband, even the first husband knew about it. To say that maybe only if he didn't even hear about it. So it never even came up. Now it's coming up for the first time for the, for the husband. There was no husband, it never came up before a husband. Now it came up. So maybe then the Pasuk is teaching me that the husband has power. But how do I know if it did come up during the previous husband? So, so that's what the Bryce is teaching us. It did come up. And the husband revolted. It doesn't matter. The key is that he came up. 
And nevertheless, the Beis Hillel says that the new husband, together with the father, have the power to revoke. But my plea, what's the argument between Bishama and Beis Hillel? We continue on side B. That even, that even vows that were fit to be revoked by the first husband. He knew about it, and he revoked it. But when he dies, that right is transferred to the father, who makes us and he holds that each one gets a portion, 50%. It's like cut off. He chopped off the vow in half. But the other half is in force, and therefore the father has the power to revoke his husband, cut off his part. That part is taken care of, it's done. All that's left is the 50%. The father can do it alone. The second husband could only take over from the first husband. But the first husband, he already revoked it. So he's out of the picture. So that his part is finished. That 50% that belongs to the husband is totally out of the picture, it's totally cut out, it's totally revoked. Now that he dies, now the whole thing falls on the father. So he's the only one who can revoke it. Not the other, other the next husband. He has nothing to do with this whole picture. And that's the halacha, remember, we don't get lashes. If one of them revokes it, even if she violates it, and she violates a prohibition, and she violates a vow, she doesn't get lashes because it weakens it. It's not chopped off 50%. The whole thing is weakened. It's like degraded. It's weakened. Softened. So therefore, the husband's part is still there. So the second husband, the new husband, can take over that part. Then him and that's what we still hold. The father together with the husband, only them to get all together could they um, revoke the vow. Your mother says he had an inquiry, he had a question. Is an act of divorce? Is is it like silence or is it like a confirmation? If a others the betrothed husband hears a vow. And then he divorces his wife in that same day. He didn't revoke, he didn't confirm. Does divorce itself is an act of confirmation? In other words, what he's saying is that my act of divorce, once I'm divorced, I no longer have any power over your vow. So, so basically my way of saying, I'm confirming your vow. The act of divorce, I'm giving you independence. So your vow is affirmed. Or not, or maybe it's just like silence. And therefore it could still be revoked afterwards by the father. You know, my nafkamina, what's the practical difference? To go in, for example, the husband heard and he divorced. Then he took her back on that very same day. So, if you can say it's like silence, he never said anything, he never said any opinion. He didn't venture any opinion about the vow. He didn't say yes, he didn't say no. So therefore, it's still, it's still, it's still that same day, so he can, he can, he can now uh, revoke it. 
But if you say the act of divorce is like telling you you're independent and therefore I'm out of the picture and therefore whatever you, you vow is, is effective, so then it's too late. Once, like we learned yesterday, once you affirm it, you can no longer, you can no longer um, retract the vow, cancel the vow. You can no longer revoke That's the question. So tomorrow, I'm sure you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. Tomorrow we'll learn the answer.